Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. We try to kick off every year putting God first, and we take and have 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, prayer, of course, is connecting with God. And fasting is disconnecting from the world. When Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's just three of the disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. The other nine are down at the bottom of the mount. A man comes whose son is demon-possessed, and the disciples try to deliver him and are unable. Jesus comes down, delivers the man, but the, the young boy, excuse me. But then Jesus said this, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him. The child was cured that very hour. Now, notice what Jesus said to them is the reason why they were unable to bring healing to this young boy. He said, faithless and perverse. Now, faithless refers to not being connected enough to God. But the perverse part, it refers to being too connected to the world. How many of you might think that in your life you might be too connected to the world? And it really keeps us from, from flowing in the will of God and the anointing that God has on our lives. So what fasting is, is it's disconnecting from the world. We try to disconnect from the world. Now, let me just give you a little history. For 1,500 years, all Christians, all Christians, the Coptic church, the Eastern church, the Roman church, all Christians fasted Tuesdays and Thursdays. How many of you have come from a Catholic background? Lots of us. When, if, if you're very old, you probably remember that on Friday, you could not eat meat. And really, that was the end of like fasting in Christianity, just putting something aside. Now, I, I do think that it's interesting that the very first temptation that's ever mentioned, Adam and Eve, it was food. And it wasn't even chocolate. It's like an apple or a fig or something. In Jesus' first temptation, command these stones to become bread. His first temptation also had to do with food. And of course, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what fasting really is, there's supposed to be two parts to fast. There's a spiritual part and a natural part. The spiritual part is we spend more time seeking God, connecting with God, right? There's a natural part where we're disconnecting from the world. Paul said this about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, but I discipline my body and I bring it. Your body is not you. Your body is it. Your body is the house that the real you, your spirit lives inside of. I bring it into subjection. At least when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. So here's what Paul is saying, that most of us, our bodies run our life. Our bodies tell us what they want, when they want, what temperature they want it. And, and we just let our bodies run our life. So Paul says, I discipline that thing. He said, I fast. I don't give it what it wants. 
And uh, we're going to talk about how that is done in just a moment. But every one of us should have a, a, a plan in our life where we're disciplining our, in our body. Paul said, if I didn't discipline my body, he said, my body would get me in trouble. Now, look, Paul wrote almost half the New Testament. He saw Jesus, went to heaven, came back, and he had problems with his body. David was God's best man. He had problems with his body. Samson was God's best man. He had problems with his body. I just want to say you're probably going to have some trouble. You're probably going to have some trouble because we've got we have got the same model bodies that they had. And Paul said, look, I've got to discipline this thing. I've got to bring it into subjection. So fasting, there's lots of ways, biblical ways to fast. Uh, You can simply miss a meal which is what um, I'm doing. Normally, I, I do it differently, but uh, this month, that's my, my plan. The, the nutritionist told me I need to have a lot of nutrition, so I'm just going to skip one meal every day. And I'm putting aside coffee. For, for, now, now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but that's a big deal. And, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but like my body has been talking to me. I'm like, where is my latte? Right? And I say, shut up. You don't get any. Now, here's what happens. When, when you tell your body no, your spirit begins to rise up to a place of ascendancy or authority over your body. Because, again, most of us, our bodies are running our life. So in Acts chapter 10, Paul is praying. It's the ninth hour. And he says, make me something to eat. So basically what Paul, what, excuse me, Peter did here in Acts 10, he waits until three o'clock in the afternoon, right? And basically he probably missed one meal, maybe two, right? But you can miss a meal every day or certain times during the week say, hey, I'm going to miss a meal here. I'm going to miss a meal there. There is what the Bible refers to as the normal fast. And there's a whole chapter in the Bible about it in Isaiah 58. It says, don't do this, do this. And these are the rewards. But this is what it says again and again. Is not this the day, the day, the day. A normal fast is one 24-hour period. Now, here's what the Jewish people would do. Their day begins when the sun sets. So right before the sun would set, they would have a meal. 24 hours would pass. The sun sets again. They'd eat again. I think, you know, we call the first meal we have breakfast. It's actually break fast. Break fast. So a normal fast is 24 hours. And maybe you could do one of those a week or sometime, or you can do a combination. Then there's another fast that's mentioned in the Bible in Daniel. Now at this Daniel chapter 10, Daniel's about 80 years old and he's been praying. He's seeking God. He says, in those days, I, Daniel mourned, fasted three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, or wine came to my mouth. So he took and basically said, I'm not going to have any bread, any sweets, any meat, and I'm just going to drink water. So you've got dairy, you've got eggs, you've got all the fruit, all the vegetables, and you just drink water. And Daniel did that for 21 days. So that's typically referred to as a Daniel fast. So you can skip a meal, You can do the Daniel fast type of thing where you're just eliminating certain foods. Now, some say, what are those things exactly again? Well, we mentioned no bread or sweets, no sugar, no meat. 
no water. But what the, the whole thing is this, that we put things aside and we discipline our body and we take extra time to seek God. So you can basically make your own Daniel fast. There's all kinds of books about how to do it, but you can just say, look, I'm going to eliminate these things for a period of time. But we're, we're, we're encouraging everybody, do something, discipline your body, and take extra time to seek God. I know some people fast social media, fast news, things that, that take up your time, uh, that connect you to the world, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect more with God and disconnect with the world. The prayer part. If we did take a look, go, go back to the beginning, go back to Adam and Eve. Now, the Bible says in the cool of the day that God would come and God would walk and talk and fellowship with Adam and Eve. Now, once you think about this, what did they talk about? It wasn't like Adam was going to go, well, Eve said this. There, weren't, there, weren't, there were no marriage problems. In fact, there were no problems at all. And there were no needs. Everything that they would possibly need was already supplied. There were no hurts. Nobody was addicted. There, there were no money difficulties. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no regrets. All the things that so often we're going to God and like God this and God that and God help me here and God help me there. How many know none of that was there? All that they did was fellowshiped with God. They enjoyed God and God enjoyed them. They walked together. They talked together. They were sharing their lives. Uh, I like, to, I like to think about it. Well, in Genesis chapter 5, it says that Enoch begot Methuselah, and then he walked with God for 300 years. And he was not because God took him. In fact, he's walking with God. He is so close with God that one day they're out on a walk. They're talking. And uh, he looks at his watch and he goes, hey, God, I got to get home. And, uh, and God said, well, it's closer to my house. Let's go. And they took off. He's been in heaven ever since. But here's the thing. He walked with God. It wasn't just a, t you see, so often what we do is we have our quiet time and we have our 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it is. And, and, and it's basically, you know, our telling God what we need, what we want. And then we take off and we go our own way and do our own thing. But what God is really looking for from us is not a quiet time. Now, quiet times are good. Quiet times are right. Times of prayer are good. Their times of prayer are right. But if that's all we do, we're missing what God wants because God wants to be with us all day, every day. He wants us to walk with him. It's in Revelation 3 in verse 20 where Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. One translation says, the door of your heart, and I knock. He said, if anyone will open... I'll come in and I will fellowship with him and him with me. God wants us to be fellowship. God wants not just to be our doing the talking. He wants to do some talking. He wants us to do some talking. In fact, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Christian life is not supposed to be 15 or 20 minutes of quiet time or a church service. It's supposed to be every day, all day everything that we do. And uh, you say, well, what's God doing? He enjoys you. He enjoys you. Jeannie and I, we, we, we get up in the morning and, and first thing is uh, we try to have a kiss. 
And then uh, we'll we, uh, have breakfast together. During the day, I call or she'll call. And you say, why do you call? Well, I just want to know what she's up to. She just wants to know what I'm up to. All right. I just want to connect. I want to know her. I want to be with her. I want to connect with her. You know, I want to joke around with her. It is a continual relationship. And the same thing, it should be the same way with, with us and God. Or I think about my grandkids. All right. Now, by the way, you don't know this, some of you. We, I have 19. We have 19 grandkids, Jeannie and I. We are so blessed. Now, they are so much fun. And the little ones, I've, I've played hide and seek with them. Now, by the way, when I hide from them, I'm not trying to hide. <laughs> I'm hiding so they can find me. <laughs> All right. But you know what? I just enjoy them. You say, yeah, but they're three years old. Yeah, but I enjoy them at three years old. And that's how it is with, with uh, is or should be with us and God. Again, he begot Methuselah. Enoch lived to be 65, begot Methuselah. And uh, after that, Enoch walked with God for 300 years. He had sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Now, some people have the idea that if you get close to God, you, you will be so spiritual, you will be no earthly good. You'll just get weird. I've actually had people tell me, you read the Bible too much, you're getting weird. I think you're weird. <laughs> All right. Any, anything that happens to you with the Bible is going to be good. But notice, he's walking with God and he has such a close relationship with God. And it's not just a certain port of portion of his day or a certain day, he is walking with God every day. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that he pleased God, right? He's walking with God and he pleases God. And notice he had sons and daughters while he's walking with God. You know, I've met people that thought they were so holy. They say, mom, I can't have sex with my spouse. I'm just too holy. You're flaky. <laughs> you're not holy. You're just flaky. Enoch walked with God. Come on. And he was and, and literally he is so close to God. God takes him home to heaven and he has been there ever since. You see, God wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with me. He, he wants to be with us. He loves us. He wants to hang out with us. The just shall live by faith. Everything we do, we should be including God. And, and don't let, and again, I am not against quiet times. I think that's great. But if that's all it is, we are missing it. We're missing it because we're supposed to be in fellowship with him all day. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Smith Wigglesworth, some of you will know who he is. He had revival on every inhabited continent, was referred to as the apostle of faith. Raise over 20 people from the dead. And this is what he said. He said, I seldom ever pray 30 minutes, but I seldom ever do not pray for 30 minutes. He doesn't let 30 minutes go by that he doesn't pray, but it's not that he's praying all the time. It's just without, it's without ceasing. It's just part of his life. It's something that that, that every place we go, everything that we're doing, we're saying, God, hey, look at this, what we're going to do. Hey, God, I need some wisdom on this. And God, how about this? Isn't this great? 
You don't need to ask him something. Just say, hey, God, isn't this cool? Thank you for this, God. It's awesome. And, and, and really, that's part of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And may I just say all the time. Amen. It's not just a little period of time. In a couple minutes, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping to talk to you a little bit about how some of the practical things that have to do with this, like meditation. However, we mentioned Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's up there, three disciples, Peter, James, and John, Moses, and Elijah, the Bible said, appear in glory. They're shining. Jesus is shining. And Peter, one of the gospels says it like this. Peter, because he didn't know what to say, said, Jesus, shall we make three booths or tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? And as he's saying that, This is coming out of his mouth. A cloud overshadows him, and God the Father is in the cloud. I love the Darby translation. Look what it says. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Don't talk. Hear him. (laughs) See, so, so often, all of our time with the Lord is all we're just saying, well, Lord, take care of this, and Lord, I need this, and Lord, they did this, and Lord, help, you need this, and Lord, give me that, and Lord, do this, and Lord, help that, and Lord, do this. You know, and all we're doing is talking. But in a relationship, in fellowship, it's not you're just talking, you're listening to. I love what it said there in, in Revelation 3. I will fellowship with him, and he will fellowship with me. It, 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 it's, it's talking, it's listening, it's living, it's walking by faith all of our life. And, and, and uh, I just want to say sometimes we pray dumb prayers. Now, I'm going to mention a few things, and I, I want to say right away that everything I mentioned, I've done. Not things I haven't done. And I think it's interesting that even when Jesus begins to teach on prayer with his disciples, he says, when you pray, do not. He says, this is what, don't, don't be like the hypocrites and do this. And don't be like the hypocrites and do that. And don't, and don't. So let me just give you a couple don'ts. One of the things that, that, that I've heard s- several times, in fact, many times, is people come up and say, Pastor, my, my prayers just don't even get past the ceiling. And I thought, and I do still think, well, who cares? He's on the inside. They don't need to get up there. He's in here. He's right inside. Why do you think we bow your head when we pray? There he is right there. <laughs> See, you say, you're, listen, if you are a Christian, you are one third wall to wall Holy Ghost. Amen. He's on the inside. Right? And we're, we're thinking like, oh, we've got to get way up. We've got to feel a certain way. This, this was several years ago. I don't know if I'd still do this, but uh, a guy came up and he said, God's just not listening to my prayers. God's not listening to my prayers. And I said, look, he's on the inside. He's listening. He's, no, no, he's not listening to my prayers. I just feel he doesn't hear me. And, we were right here, and I said, well, just cuss for a minute. And he said, no, right here in church. I said, yeah. He said, no, God would hear. <laughs> so, so in his mind, in his mind, if I say something bad, God's going to hear. But if I pray and ask God for, He won't hear. How many know that's just dumb? You know. But we're that's that's you know that's that's sometimes that's in our thinking. 
we pray prayers like this. And I, 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 you know, I travel quite a bit and I hear people pray this at the end of service. And they say, Lord, be with us. Lord, don't leave us. Look, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And leave literally means to physically leave. To forsake means to turn my heart away from. God said, I will never physically leave you. I will never turn my heart away from you. And we're praying dumb prayers like, Lord, be with me and don't leave me. Well, he's like, please read the book. Find out what my will is. Another great one. Lord, just accept me, God. Just accept me the way I am. In, in Luke 1, the angel Gabriel comes to the Virgin Mary and says to her, Hail, you highly favored one. How many of you believe the Virgin Mary is highly favored? Amen. Highly favored. In Ephesians 1, verse 6, it says that you are accepted. It's the exact same word in the Greek. Highly favored in the beloved. Just the same way that the angel Gabriel said to the Virgin Mary, you are highly favored. The Bible says that you are highly favored. So we're going around saying, God, accept me, accept me. And God's like, I love you. And you are highly favored. Here's one. In fact, I w- this is how I learned to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And God bless mom and dad and Deb and grandpa and grandma and the missionaries for Jesus' sake. Amen. For Jesus' sake. Who are you trying to con? It's not for Jesus' sake. It's for your sake. It's like we got this, we've got this idea. God will not answer my prayer, but he'll do that for Jesus. So I'll just kind of slip in for Jesus' sake and hope it gets by. Now, look, the Bible nowhere, not one time, do you find for Jesus' sake. In fact, Jesus said, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask in my name. Ask in my name. And he said, whatever you ask in my name, he said, I'll do it. So we're not supposed to go for Jesus' sake. We can't con God. But Jesus gave us his name. He, he gave us his power of attorney to use. Then we're like, Lord, forgive me. Next day, Lord, forgive me. Next day, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And God's up in heaven looking at you going, what are they talking about? He said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When does he do it? First time. First time. But we're not basing our prayer on what God has said to us, we're bracing our prayer on our feelings. And your feelings, they can lie. Your feelings, they change. In fact, your feelings are constantly changing. But Jesus said that the word of God, it lives and it endures forever. Forever. So we're basing our, 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 our feelings, our prayers on how we feel about it. And I think God's in heaven going, what are they talking about? He says to Gabriel, what are they talking about? And Gabriel says, I haven't got a clue. And God said, well, pull up their name on the computer over here. 
They pull up your name and it says, washed in the blood, forgiven, child of God, justified, building them a mansion at the corner of Hallelujah Street and Glory Avenue. (laughs) And God's like, what are they up to? What are they up to? But there we go. There we go with that. And then another one. And and, uh, this is really dangerous. And and I'll tell you why. Uh, Lord, just do anything, anything you want to me, God, just do anything. I understand your heart's right. But here's the here's the deal. We need to know what God's going to do. You say, what is he going to do? Well, the Bible says that he confirms the word. He confirms. God always does the word. But you come along with that do anything. And trust me, the devil will show up with something and you'll think it's God. And you won't resist it because you think it's God. And that's really it's really dangerous. We need to say, as David did, deal with me according to your word, according to your word, according to your word. The angel appears to Mary and says something that's really, really very powerful to her. He talks about the, 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 the spirit of God is going to overshadow you. And, and I love what she said. She said, how will this be? How can this be? Because I don't know a man. She wasn't saying it can't happen. She just said, please explain a little bit to me. And he said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And then he made this statement in Luke 1, 37, that no word from God shall be void of power. One translation says, no word for God shall be without the power of fulfillment. No word of God will be without the power of fulfillment. In other words, the power of To perform what God has spoken is in the word itself. Remember, in the beginning, God spoke and God said, let there be light. And the universe leaped into existence. The the parent force of the universe, of every material thing that you can see, was God's word that was spoken. That was the parent force. And when you and I speak God's word, and we believe God's word, the same power that, that uh, is in that word is there to perform what God has spoken. So one of the ways that we spend time with God all right, and that we, we live by faith and that we walk with God is by meditating in the word. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And then you'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now notice we're to meditate in God's word day and night. Bible meditation is almost the exact opposite of what we would call meditation in Eastern religion. In Eastern religion, you empty yourself of all your thoughts. But in Bible meditation, you fill yourself, you fill it, you visualize it, you personalize it, and you spend time thinking about it and speaking that, that word, that verse, the word of God. In Proverbs three and one, it says, my son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days, long life and peace they'll add to you. Do not or let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. 
Now, how do we write God's word on the tablets of our heart? How do we do that? It's by meditating on it. We personalize it. We visual, visualize it. We begin to speak it. In fact, one of the meanings of, of uh, meditation is to mutter, begin to speak that word, and it writes it on the tablets of our heart. In John, excuse me, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. Now he goes out and he sows the word of the kingdom. He sows that word. Now that word falls in the ground and then it germinates. And Jesus said, first comes the blade, then comes the ear, and then comes the full grain in the ear. What he's saying is there is a period of time that the word of God gets sown on the inside of us. And it's literally like we become pregnant with the word of God. But as we meditate on that word, in fact, Paul in Corinthians said it this way. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, and then God gave the increase. So what often happens is we get the word of God planted in our hearts, but it never gets watered. And if it doesn't get watered, it doesn't germinate. And you just got to keep watering. Those of you that have ever had a garden, no, you plant that seed, you water. The blade comes up, you don't stop. You keep watering. And then that ear forms, you don't stop. You keep watering. And if you keep watering and conditions are right, you're going to have a harvest. Now, in the natural there is, when a farmer sows seed, there is a certain amount of that seed that is incorruptible. That is, excuse me, that is corruptible. Uh, they may plant 20 seeds and 19 of them flourish, but one's corruptible. Something's wrong, it does not produce. But the Bible says, being born again by the word of God, by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. God's word planted in your heart If you keep watering that seed, it will germinate. And first there'll be a blade, then there'll be an ear, and then eventually there will be the full fruit in that ear. It doesn't happen normally in a day. It takes a period of time. One plants, he said another waters, but we keep watering and God gives the increase. Inside every word of God is the power to produce what that word of God has spoken to us. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.